0: Well, I hope you're ready today for the word because I've got something to share with you. This is part two of our series, New Beginnings. Some would say, New Beginnings. Amen. And so I am going to invite you, I'm going to read one verse of scripture, actually, two Genesis chapter 8, verse 15. Amen. We read it last Sunday, but we're going to read it today in a new light. Amen. As you're going there, church, I want to remind you members that we have a short meeting after church today, so please stick around for a few moments. Uh, Immediately after our service, we have uh, some updates to share with you. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. And if you're in a city group, we want to encourage you to keep plugging into your city group. I've been enjoying my city group, man. We've been having a good time at Friends and Faith. And so uh, if you're plugged in, get plugged in. And if you missed out this semester, well, I'm going to tell you now, I encourage you, get plugged in the next semester because God's moving in our city groups. Praise be the Lord. Someone say amen. 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 Genesis chapter 8, verse 15. Then God said to Noah, leave the boat. All of you. Someone say all of you. all of you. You and your wife and your sons and their wives. Church, I'm going to invite you today to incline your ear to limit, remove all distractions because I have a lot to cover, and it's not just that I have a lot to cover, but in what I'm covering, there's a lot in it, and... Um, So why don't we pray, amen? Would you join me? Would you join me in prayer right now? I'm going to invite you to, if you can open up your heart, if you want to lift your hands, if you want to close your eyes, but I'm going to invite you to pray sincerely with me that God would speak. Father, we come before you right now in your name, and we thank you, God, for for you woke us up this morning and you put the breath of life in us, God, but as we have come together, Lord, for a time of worship, a time of prayer and fellowship, God, also we have come hear your word, and I pray, Jesus, for that anointing, that sweet and precious anointing that we feel in this place, God, would also enable us divinely, God, to receive your word. Touch my lips of clay, God, so that every word that comes out of my mouth would be your word, God, and that I simply would convey to your people that which you have deposited in my spirit, Lord. I take authority right now, and I bind every spirit that is contrary to the spirit of God, i captivate captivated right now, and I cast it out. I cast it out. Every opposing force, every human, not just demonic, but every human spirit that may try to oppose this word, I bind that also in the name of Jesus, and I give you, God, free course in this place to speak to your people, God, right now. In the name of Jesus, we give you all the honor and the glory in Jesus' name. Everyone say, amen. You may be seated in God's presence. I'm going to speak on this thought take your family. As I stand before you today, the world as we know it is rapidly changing. The moral, cultural, and spiritual climate is shifting in unthinkable ways right before our very eyes. And I, as a believer, as a follower of Christ as a husband as a father and also as a pastor have never been more concerned about the state of the apostolic family than i am today and i've been wrestling in my spirit all week because on the one hand i am carrying such a heavy burden As you can imagine, and on the other hand, I am very familiar with the spiritual and demonic resistance that I have to face whenever I address these matters. You have to understand that it's with great fear and trembling that I preach messages like these because um, I am fighting off demonic attack all week long, facing opposition. Because if there's one thing the devil doesn't want is for our churches to have healthy, strong families. Somebody say amen. Because make no mistake, the one thing the devil wants to mar, to blemish, and to dismantle, it is the traditional family. Why is that? Because Satan always, from day one, has sought to pervert and to destroy, and to destroy God's original design. It's been his intent that whatever God creates, Satan seeks to counterfeit it with something that is different, something that is perverted, something that is ugly, in order to cheat God out of his glory, and to rob him of what belongs to him. So anything that is beautiful, how many of you believe everything God makes is beautiful? Whatever he makes is beautiful, but the devil, seeking to take glory from God, wants to, wants to mar or blemish that thing. You see, God's, or, or the family, was, was God's idea. Not an invention of man. God ordained it. Amen. He instituted it. And it's always been the plan of God for families to fulfill his divine purpose in the earth starting with Adam's family in the old world or pre-flood and continuing with Noah's family in the new world, post-flood. Whether it's pre-flood or post-flood, it's always been God's desire to express his purpose and kingdom in the earth through families. If you don't believe me, just read the Old Testament because the Old Testament is really a family book. It's about how God revealed himself to a patriarch named Abraham in order to develop a relationship, a covenant with him through his seed, through his family, the earth might be blessed. And that through his seed and tribes of his family, tribes is just but a big family. He gave him sons and daughters in order to express his purpose. So God's design was for the family, and for the family to express his purpose and accomplish his will. But just like violence ripped Adam's family apart and dangers threatened Noah's family to bring his family down, we also must face the reality of a backwards world. And we have to do whatever it takes to bring our families, just like Noah did, into a new destiny into a new life, into the promises of God. We have to do whatever it takes. Amen. Indeed, there is a blatant, hostile, and demonic agenda to destroy the fabric of the family. But I'm not afraid of the enemy today. Whew. I said, I'm not afraid of Satan today. You know why? Because I have been empowered by the Holy Ghost. I've been strengthened by the Holy Ghost. I've been anointed by God, just like all of us today. I've been empowered by God to deliver a message of hope and help for our families. And I realize that not all of our families are here today, but I hope that everyone will tune in and catch the rebroadcast because I want every family of this church whether you have children of your own whether you're married or whether you're not married or have any kids at all because if you plan to have a family one day this is something we all need to hear and get into our spirits amen Noah's journey to a new life was not a solitary one not merely a personal endeavor I know we talk a lot about my personal relationship with God, and we all ought to have a personal relationship with God. That's where it starts. But his journey was a family affair. After surviving the flood, landing on dry ground, God called Noah to take his family. He said, leave the boat, all of you. Get your wife, get your sons, and get their wives. Get everybody, get the whole family, and step Into a new beginning, filled with new possibilities and new promises. The Lord essentially told Noah, he said, Noah, you need to move as a unit. Get your family, get your spouse, get your kids, get everybody together, get their wives, get your daughters-in-law, amen, because the mission is not accomplished unless your whole family goes with you. Noah, I didn't call you. It's just so you can take a solitary journey and experience these things just as a man. Noah, it's failure if your whole family doesn't come with you. It's it's not enough for just you or just you and your wife or just you and part of your family. Noah, I need everybody to go with you. And the mission is not accomplished for us, church, unless our whole families are with us. And that ought to be our prayer. That ought to be the focus of our lives, God, is those that you have entrusted in my care or the family that I am a part of, Lord. I'm doing everything within my power, everything that I have, everything that I can do, Lord, to ensure that we all enter the ark. And then when you call us to new things, we all move together as a unit. This grips my heart because it says something profound about the way God views the family. About the purposes of God. It says something about how God views creation and how he views fathers and mothers and children and how he calls heads of household to take up their rightful place and lead their homes in perilous times. Noah's family illustrates to us three principles that apostolic families need today. And I want to, for a few moments, talk about what these are. Number one is faith. Can everyone say faith? Come on, let's say that again. Let's say faith. Every member of Noah's family was a willing participant in this journey. I don't read anywhere that He had to force them in, huh? threaten them to get in the ark. I don't read anywhere that Noah had to use manipulation or any other kind of tactic, technique to get his family there, especially when you factor in that these were grown-ups making grown-up decisions. It wasn't like they were all, minors, little kids that you could just tell them, you know, don't worry about where we're going. Just get in the car. These are grown adults with grown adult questions like, you know, what what is this? (laughs) What are we doing? These were were grown-up decisions. And Noah didn't threaten them to follow him. He didn't force them in. He didn't force them out after the flood. They entered the ark and followed on their own volition. It was a free will choice. But the question is, how does that work exactly? How do you convince a group of grown adults to take this crazy journey with you into the unknown? How does that work? How did three adult men and their wives with the freedom to do whatever that they wanted, choose the path of their father. How does that happen? The answer, because Noah built his family's faith long before he built his family's ark. You can't expect your family to enter an ark to go where you go to go where you want to go if you haven't first instilled in them the idea that entering this ark is indeed an act of faith noah preached righteousness for about 120 years man and he only had like one message get right or get left <laughs> huh He had one series, 120 years. Now, he preached for all those years, 120 years. Let me ask you this question. Who do you think was sitting on the front row? His sons were. And since no one else was paying attention to what his dad was speaking, nobody else came to his services. So who was he reaching was reaching his family and you know what he won them (laughs) amen he won them primarily the people that we need to win most to the lord are those within our own household come on somebody if we can't convince those that get a front row seat to our lives and our message, that this thing that we believe is true and it is the only way and there's no other way that can compare to this way, then what exactly are we doing anyways? But he won them. And he didn't just win them with words. He didn't throw cliches at them. He didn't try to trick them and, and, you know, throw riddles at them and, and whatnot. He did it not just with words, but he did it with action. Noah was a man of action. And between his sermons and his messages, he was building the ark at the same time as he's building the faith of his family. He's building the ark. All throughout the week, he's constructing the ark. He's developing the ark. What am I saying? He was backing up his message with action every day. Give God a hand praise right now. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, I feel something in my heart today. Hallelujah. You see, the key to establishing faith in your family is to preach and practice Christ's message. Faithfully and consistently. Clearly and convincingly. Amen. How many of you believe this to be true? You don't need a pulpit and a microphone. I'm trying out a different microphone today, and I kind of like it. You don't need a microphone to be a preacher. You're a preacher in your home. I say you're a preacher in your home. All you need to do is communicate the word of God clearly. Amen. Passionately. Consistently. Fill your family's minds with the word. Indoctrinate them. People don't like that word today, huh? Well, if you don't indoctrinate them, somebody else will. Ooh, I felt something in my spirit when I said that. Somebody's going to indoctrinate them. So it might as well be you. Hello, somebody. Talk to them. Teach them. Discuss with them. Answer their questions to the best of your ability. You know, my son, is, um, he's, he's coming up with better and better questions as time goes on. And sometimes he, you know, he, he catches me, and I'm like, hey, that's a good one. Can I get back to you on that? <laughs> but get back to them on that. And keep the conversation going. Amen. Church, this is paramount, especially in the hour that we're living in, because our families are being bombarded. With lies, deceptions, every day, every day, false messages, false message, thwarted and perverted messages about gender identity. Hello, somebody. Sexuality, mixed messages about beauty. World wants our daughters. little girls to have a distorted picture of what beauty is. That they have to put on a certain thing or do something to their bodies to make them look beautiful. We need to counteract that message. Help me out, Holy Ghost. Oh Jesus. Remind our children of who they are. Mixed messages about parental authority. Do you understand the war that is being waged to undermine the parental authority in the house? To now where children more than ever are being promoted with the idea that they are to tell the parents how to run the house. The parental authority is being undermined right under many people's noses. Alternative lifestyles and many, many other messages that contradict Christian teaching, that contradict the teachings of Scripture. So what are we to do? Are we just going to sit around and be like, well, uh, you know, I hope they get it. Hope they figure it out. No, we have to counteract every lie with truth. Oh, hallelujah. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. How many of you are thankful today for the truth? Amen. Amen, hallelujah. Thank God for the truth. But not only that, we don't just got to preach the truth. We got to practice the truth. Noah, his sons respected their father. Why? Because he was a man of his word and he was a man of action. He backed up his talk. He put his money where his mouth was. Oh, my God. You can talk all you want about building an ark, but until I see you going down to Home Depot and grabbing some materials, I mean, come on, what are we doing here? Eventually, you got to back it up. Amen. Someone say, back it up. That's right. And he worked on it daily, and his children got a front row seat, and they watched dad and mom talk about the Lord and righteousness and what is right and what is wrong and good morals and good value, all these wonderful things, and they talked about it. But then they didn't stop there. They were being about it. They were building and constructing it. and they viewed this, and they were observing this, and they were watching this, and they were taking it all in. And so when Moses or Scott, I keep calling him Moses. That's all right. Moses is a good man too. Amen. But when no Hallelujah. When Noah got into the ark, he said, come on, kid. He didn't have to pull them by the ear. He didn't have to, you know, drug them and all that. They were convinced because they saw the testimony of their father and they went with him. Hey, we got to back up our talk so that when the time comes to enter the ark, our families will go with us. Come on, give God a hand. Praise today. I don't just ask you, what are you preaching, but what are you building? Whose kingdom are you building? Is this okay today? (laughs) Are you, like Noah, putting your money where your mouth is? I want obedient children. Good. But how obedient are you? I want them to respect authority. Wonderful. Wonderful. But do you respect authority? You can't expect to reap where you haven't planted. If you want to reap respect, you've got to sow respect. Oh, my God. And we can apply this to a variety of areas in life. But many times we are asking things out of our spouse. I I need my wife to submit. The Bible says submit to your husband. Praise God. But it also says to submit to those that are above you. Let me tell you how to unlock authority in your home. This goes for all the heads of households, especially the men and the husbands. Unlocking authority in your house. If you want to have authority, get under authority. That's the way God works. Amen, somebody. But people today, they don't don't want to answer. People don't even want a pastor today. They just want a preacher. They want a YouTube preacher. Amen. They don't want a pastor. No, people don't want to be pastored today. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I'm going places today. I'm taking my time. Is that all right? <laughs> they, don't want they don't want it. They don't want that. Like, come on, man. That's, old, uh, you know, that's, that's archaic. But, but, but if you've ever needed a pastor, you need one now. If you've ever needed that kind of covering in your life, it's it's now. Praise God. So we need faith. I'm talking about faith. Someone say faith. faith. This is how we establish greater faith in our families. The second concept that we see is unity. Everyone say unity. I don't know how Noah's family would have ever succeeded in their journey if they were not united. It's quite remarkable when you think about it. I mean, when you really stop to think about it, it is amazing. It's remarkable how this family came together. They had to be of the same mind, of the same spirit, huh? To persevere all those months in the boat, they had to be united. They had to lean on each other, amen, and believe in the mission that they were on as a family. If your family is going to survive this perilous hour that we're living in, it's got to be united. And if there's anything the devil wants to do, is to divide, drive a wedge in the family between fathers and their sons and daughters and, and husbands and their wives and children with their parents. He wants to divide the family because if he can divide it, he can conquer it. They were of the same mind. There are all sorts of theories, novel ideas. You can find, you know, Amazon, just Google or search unity and how to build. You'll get all kinds of results. But unity, unity, I believe, as seen through this example, is built through a common vision and a shared mission. I mean, nothing builds unity more. There's a lot of things that can Aid unity that can develop unity, spending time as a family and, and, you know, everyone hold hands and, you know, we can, you know, light a candle or whatever. We can do a lot of things that sort of, you know, give off uh, unity vibes, you know. But true unity is built through a common vision and a shared mission. Nothing like a vision and a mission for your home will bring people together. So you cannot talk about unity without talking about vision. And a lot of families today in the church, in all Christianity, within the body, have no vision, no direction, no mission. Where am I leading my family? Where is it we are going? What are we in pursuit of as a family? And when you cannot answer that question, let me tell you today, church, uh, the family unit starts eventually to break down. The unity starts to break down. Noah's family got a hold of the vision. They bought in to the mission that their dad was on. They understood it. They internalized it. In fact, it became their mission as well. They believed with their father that they were also sent by God to make it to the other side and dry ground and repopulate the world. We have got to instill in our homes, in our families, uh, the idea that we are not just here to make memories. We are here to make a difference. Somebody give God some praise today. Hallelujah. Come on, clap your hands today. They knew that this was not just a boat ride. Just another tour, a little three-hour tour, huh? They did. They knew that. They knew that they had a purpose, and their purpose was when we get on the other side of this thing, we're going to repopulate the earth. We've got a mission to fulfill, and they understood, and they shared this understanding about their future, and this is what I believe brought and kept them together as a family. So let me ask you some hard questions today, church. Uh, what is the vision of your family? Why does your family exist? What purpose does God have for it? These are big questions, but important ones. And have you communicated to your spouse, your children, your mission as a family? I realize that today we've got a mixed crowd. I know that... Some of you have yet to start your family. We've got, you know, some married folks, some pre-married folks and all that. But even the pre-married folks, you need to get this too. You know, the problem is, is that people start paying, the they don't start paying attention to this stuff until it's too late. Some got married, started their family, and, and then they're wondering why, you know, you're trying to build the plane while it's in air. <laughs> trying to build the ark while the water's already here. And it's hard to do that. Young people, Ah, amen. You need this too. Are you using vision? This is a good question. Man, I really like this one. Are you using vision-affirming language, vision-affirming words in your home? Like, is it a topic of conversation that gives your family a sense of purpose and destiny? Son, you don't just go to school to get an education. That's part of it. But you're also there to be a light. Oh, my God. You're not on that college campus just to get a degree. You're on that college campus to be an ambassador for me. I have you on assignment there. I have you on a purpose there. You are meant to be the salt of the earth, the light of the world. Hallelujah. Praise be to God. Telling your children who they are is one thing. And you got to do that. But don't just tell them who they are. Tell them why they are. He said, well, I, my kids know they they know they're apostolic. Tell them why they're apostolic. Oh my God. Tell why they're apostolic. Not just that you are apostolic. Amen. But why am I apostolic? Why? Apostolic families are not just different because we look different or because we act different. We're different because we're on a different mission. Mm, My God, we're different because this world is not our home. We're different because we're pilgrims just passing through. We're different because mm, my God, greater is he that is in us. We're different because ultimately heaven is our home. We're different. We're a chosen generation called out of darkness. That's why we're different. We're on mission. We're a royal priesthood. You know what a priest is? A priest bridges the gap between heaven and earth. A priest represents the needs of the people to God. We are a holy priesthood. We're a priest, a royal priesthood. What does that mean? That we've been sent as priests into the earth to bring people to God. Woo, my Lord, I'm going to preach on that someday. Hallelujah. A family cannot enter a new destiny if it's divided. I'm still talking about unity, by the way. Jesus once said that a house divided against itself cannot stand. So what is division? 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 The root words for division are die, meaning two, and vision. So division simply means two visions. Competing visions. Can I tell you something? In every home, in every marriage, there should only be one vision. And when there's more than one vision, when there's two or more, when there's competing vision, there's going to be conflict. It's going to be discord. There's going to be a lot of things that can drive families apart. So the prayer ought to be, perhaps for someone today, God, unify our vision. Oh, Jesus. One vision. One vision. Division or disunity, home, In a home occurs when there is more than one vision or when the vision is not clear. There should only be one vision in the home, not multiple, just one. And this is what unites us. And the clearer the vision, the more united the family. Amen, somebody. Because we're not just doing life together. Now we're doing ministry together. There's no greater joy or purpose I have as a father, then not just to raise good kids, have a good healthy home, but so that my children grow up not despising the things of God, but accompanying me and serving God together. Serving the Lord as a family. Amen. That should be the desire of our hearts. Changing the world. Together, someone say, together doing ministry together, say, together helping people, expanding the kingdom, making a difference, worshiping, praying. This is God's heart and desire for the church is that we as families would do things together. And when we do things together as families, we can come together as a church. And oh, my watch out, devil, because when you've got united families and a united church, there is no devil in hell that can stop a church like that. <laughs> Woo! my God. Hallelujah. So we're moving in the same direction as a family. You see, I don't just want to bring my kids to church. I want my kids to be the church. Let me tell you something. Don't just raise church kids. Raise kingdom kids. I'm talking to the parents here, future parents, you know. Don't just raise church kids. Because you can bring your children to church, and, and some have a hard time even doing that. You can bring them to church, but do they take church with them? Or are they just checking in? Is this still all right? <laughs> you, can, you can be at church and not connected to what's happening in the kingdom, to the mission. Praise be to God. This doesn't mean that, you say, well, does unity mean that we, we, we agree on everything? No, unity doesn't mean that you're always going to agree on everything as a family. You know, <laughs> if you figure out how to do that, man, you have really solved the puzzle. You're going to have disagreements from time to time. That's life. huh? That's life. We can't even agree on what restaurant we want to go after church on Sunday sometimes, you know? It's like, I want burgers. You want tacos? It's like, where can I get a taco and a burger together? I mean, That's just life. Trivial things, that's fine. Right? Little things, but, but not when it comes to the things that matter the most. Hey, Amen. The third concept. And I am taking a little longer today, and that's all right. But the third concept is this, that we see in Noah's family is love. Everyone say love. love. You won't find a verse in the Bible that says Noah loved his family. I looked really hard in all Genesis, and I didn't find any I said that. Um, you won't find a verse that says that. But you will find a verse that says he walked with God. And, you know, I don't know anybody who truly walks with God, who doesn't also walk in love. Because God is love. So there's no verse that says, you know, that he, he was a loving man, but he was a godly man. So if he was a godly man, he had to have been a loving man. Moreover, you won't find any personal love notes in the Bible from Noah to his wife or children. No, 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 no cards, no letters to them. But, and those things are good. I'm not saying those things are bad. Wonderful. But what you will find is love's most powerful expressions. You will find a father doing everything he can to bring his family into a new destiny. Love is more than an emotion. I said, love is more than an emotion. Love is a choice. And I'll take it a step further. Love is not just a choice. Love is a series of choices. Oh, God, hallelujah, Jesus. It's a series of choices. So in my closing part of this message, I want to just look briefly, if I can, at some of the ways in which Noah loved his family. Rather than looking at what love says, why don't we look at what love does? Number one, let me give you, there's three here. Love protects. Someone say protect. Love protects. See, Noah didn't, he he didn't write any love notes, but I'd rather have this than a love note because words are cheap. He, he, He said, the Lord said, go into the boat with all your family. And Noah's primary concern was the safety and the security of his family. And he, and he made sure, it was, his, it was his main prayer, his sole prayer, I think, that his family all got into the ark. That's what love looks like in an apostolic home. It is sheltering and protecting our family from the dangers that lurk in this society. Is being vigilant and sober-minded from the spiritual to the physical to the emotional to the mental over our families. And Noah's concern was that I love my family, so I've got to do everything I can to protect them. Because this world wants to do nothing but rip their lives apart. No one lived in a day like ours. It was filled with violence. It was filled with uncertainty and sin and wickedness before God. And he said, I've got to do everything I can to shelter them. Parents, hear me out, everybody. You shelter your children for as long and as much as you can. Protect them with your prayers. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. With your discernment and with your wisdom and with your guidance, uh, that is what love is. Love protects. Number two, love provides. The Lord told Noah in verse 21 and be sure to take on board enough food for your family and for all the animals. Don't leave out the pets, huh? Some of you love your pets. Huh? Don't leave them out. In other words, stock the pantry. Stock the pantry, Noah. Providing, you know, so providing for our families is a basic responsibility. It's basic. Don't get married, don't have children until you're ready to do that. Hmm. I get an amen on that one, huh? <laughs> Talking about I want a wife, you can't even pay your own bills. Maybe that's, why you want, maybe that's why you want a wife, so she'll pay your bills for you. <laughs> so you can use your credit score. Oh, man, I better get out of that one. Build up your credit, you know? <laughs> Paul said, Paul said this in 1 Timothy 5.8, but if anyone does not provide for his own and especially for those of his household, his own family, he has denied the faith and is worse than an infidel or an unbeliever. So God takes this serious. We have a moral, spiritual obligation to provide for our families. It's very simple. You don't work, you don't eat. It's that simple. Number three. What else does love do? Love prepares. I'm gonna invite the keyboardist to come up. Noah started preparing his family for a life of promise from the time his sons were born. That's when the training began. Bible says, Noah was the father of three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now, if you'd like, you can do a study on these names. Find out how out of all the major people groups of the world, starting with Shem, we get the Semitic lineage, like the Jews, Israelis. Um, You can do a, a very thoughtful study on that. So they were all filled with promise and potential. But as you know, oftentimes names in the Bible carry significant meaning. They carry um, symbolism. And that's the case here with Noah. He starts preparing them the moment they're born by naming each of his sons a name that carried with it something that would be useful for them in their future. The name Shem means fame. Fame. (laughs) It carries the idea of not just being famous, but of but of reputation, of a good name, of glory. Ham means warmth. The name just sounds good. Warm brings warmth, huh? Japeth means expansion. Out of Japheth, there would be great increase in expansion all over the world. And so when Noah's sons are born, each of them he prepares them before they even learn how to talk, brother. Before they could crawl, before they could walk, he gives them a sense of purpose. Say you're not just anybody. You're God's child. Amen. How is preparation an act of love? Because love sees beyond the present. I show my family love, not just by telling them I love them, squeezing them tight. I show my family I love them by pointing them in the right direction, by preparing them for a life with God, by the legacy that I pass on, the spiritual inheritance that I give on to them, that I leave them. That's what love is. No wonder Jesus told his disciples, I go to prepare a place for you. That's what love is. That's what love is. I feel the spirit of God in this place today. And I want to pray this afternoon. I want to pray over all of you, but those who feel like maybe this message was dialed up just for you as a father, as a mother, as a spouse, I just have a burden in my heart today. I'm claiming victory for the families of this church. Oh, God, I'm claiming victory. oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. But here's the thing, church. Here's the thing. As I'm getting tired, I'm getting tired of fighting for families who don't want to fight for themselves. I'm getting tired of fighting for people who are not going to fight for themselves. I'm tired of praying for people's children who are not fighting for their own children. Um, that, that, that wears me out more than anything else. People today are coming up with so many different excuses, so many different reasons, so many different things. And, and listen, I'm not giving up on you, but I've, I've got to encourage you. I've got to tell you the truth today, that it's our time to step up. It's getting late, church. It's getting late. Read the signs. Wake up. Open your eyes in this hour. Open your eyes in this hour. Read it. The writing is on the wall. Jesus is coming soon. And we don't have time to play games. We don't have time to fiddle-faddle with God and to play games with our church schedules and play games with this and with that. If ever there's been a time to love our families and to get them to where they need to be in God and to my Lord, take them into the promises of God. That time is now. That time is now. Oh, God, give your church what it needs, Lord. Baptize us today, Lord, with a burden. Baptize us with Holy Ghost fire, Lord. I pray, Lord, that boldness would rise up. I pray that courage would rise up. I pray that faith would rise up. I pray that the people of God would rise up. I pray, Lord, that husbands would grab their wives and their children, fathers and mothers, even if it's just a single-parent home whatever the case might be, but that we would get our families together and start looking at what are we going to do as a family to serve God together. Oh, my Lord.